<laughs> Welcome to Dudes of Beers Podcast, episode 50. I am Joe, and joining me are my co-hosts, Matt. Hi. And Mr. Darren. Hello. Please visit dwbshow.com for all of our information. On this show, we will be discussing the largest electric school bus fleet in the U.S., first solar thin film PV innovation, Nanograph's new 18650 battery, Energy X's lithium-ion transport and separation technology. There is a, uh, they have like a, an uh, acronym or something for that too. I just, it's in the article. Axial graded index lenses could improve solar energy capture. The first microgrid community in California is about to go live. A new data transmission record of 1.8 petabits per second. And Ken Block and the Audi S1 Hunatron electrify Las Vegas. So I think... The exciting news has to be episode freaking 50. Yeah, I know. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, we made it to 50, man. What was it, two and a half years ago? April yeah. of 2020? Let's yeah. not talk about 20. <laughs> we're not but we're talk two about and a half 20. years in, episode 50. I mean, I thought we would probably have more at this point, but, yeah, you know, we took some breaks. breaks and... But, I mean, think. I read a stat. I don't remember where it was from, but they said that most 90% of all podcasts don't go past episode like seven. Really? Yeah. I think I remember it you like, sharing that with like, us. Not and long and ago. maybe it, it might have been like seven or 10, but it was pretty low. And I wonder if that still holds true because there's so many people that probably started podcasts during the pandemic and stuff. But like I know people that have started them and they aren't doing them anymore. Yeah. I know, I know of three people that, that had podcasts, did one episode. And never did another one. Yeah, or did a handful, really? and then, yeah. yeah. I mean, hmm. I, I I would believe that. I have to go find a new figure to see if that's still if that's changed at all. But I bet it. Uh, I bet it's still pretty close. Uh, what? Okay, so while let me talk about what we're gonna drink. So this week we had a annual release of Warped Wings Esters Little Secret. So this year it is a Caramel pecan scotch ale with Highlander Grog coffee. And this mm. is the barrel age version. So we're going to start with the barrel age version because I've been letting it get a little warm. I actually like the regular version a little bit better this year. And I think Matt said that we did we liked the regular version more last year, didn't we? Yeah, for sure. If I look at my check-in, we said we so liked the regular better. We're going to start with the um, barrel aged. And then because it's a, it's a collaboration with Esther's Price Candies, we've got the... Um, it's mm. the caramel pecan. I guess they're turtles. Is that what you yeah. would call them? Mm-hmm. So we've got dark chocolate ones, which I think goes really good with the barrel aged. And then we have the milk chocolate ones, which I think go better with the, oh, man. the regular. What's wrong? Missed opportunity. Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> um, we're just so like, we're not, we're doing live. So like, yeah, we're just, it's out, been a minute. Out I don't of sync. I think we were just trying to figure out like, when, what's the last time we did live? It had to be like episode 20 something, I think. I'll let you pour. I don't want Matt to get mad at okay. me. Thank you. But while I'm pouring this, um, I haven't really been up to much since the last podcast two weeks ago. I mean, we had Halloween. We had an Halloween party. It was pretty cool. We had a lot of cool costumes, a lot of good trick-or-treaters we again this go. year. Well, that there's a good reason for that. So why don't you <laughs> yeah. talk about that a little bit? So uh, for the first time in 45 years, I was in a different state than I've ever been in in Ohio for my birthday. That was kind of cool. We were in Texas. Took a just a four or five day trip to Texas to see some family and did trick or treating there and ate some good food and had some good fun. Yeah, we didn't want to celebrate your birthday with you anyways. We did it the weekend before. <laughs> Come on, man. 
Yeah, but not your birthday. Well, I think this might be a tradition we might keep up. Oh, whatever. See ya. Bye. <laughs> just move there already. I guess we just have to go next I time, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I can't afford to move there. Yeah, I'll go next time. So the um, the description on the back of this, because I don't think they may have un, uh, updated it, but since this was just released yesterday, they didn't put any of the information on uh, Untapped yet. So this is uh, the barrel aged is a nine and a half percent, and it. Um, so like I said, it was Esther Price chocolates and Boston Stoker uh, is where they got the Highlander Grog coffee from. So it says Esther Price uh, Price's lifelong dream of opening a chocolate shop is celebrated once again. Excuse me, Word Brain Brewing Company, together with Esther Price Candies and Boston Stoker Coffee, introduced to you Esther's little secret caramel pecan scotch ale brewed with Highlander Grog Coffee and carefully aged in bourbon barrels, a fantastical wonderland filled with rich flavors of chocolate, caramel, butterscotch, and a kiss of vanilla, all wrapped up in a tidy little bourbon barrel aged bow. Dream big, drink bigger. What's nice is in the nose, you can smell the chocolate. You can smell the, the, you can, the bourbon like, yeah. air. And and you can almost get the hint of scotch like a with the I get the ale. I get a little bit of the caramel vanilla ish. Mm-hmm. Um I just don't taste it. Like and that maybe that's just me, maybe you guys will. <laughs> oh my god. But this is I've left this sit on the counter for it like the last so good. ninety minutes or so. Oh, that's so perfect. Because when I had it yesterday, it, it to me it got better the warmer it got. When it was cold, it was just really muted. So looking back to my check-ins, I didn't have a note about 21s, but I, I liked it. In 2020, which was, what is 2020? 2020. It wasn't in a, um, it wasn't a. It's not updated. Like, they don't have a, a don't description. Have, but it oh, was sorry, it was it, a double fudge cream stout. It was a cream stout. It wasn't a. And um, I really liked the base in 2020 over the barrel age. Because they've done a, they've done they've done a bunch of them that were Scotch ale. They usually go between Scotch ales and cream stouts, or is it cream stout or cream ale? Sorry, this but 2020 was a stout. Was a stout. So, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like they've made more. Um, I feel like they've made more of the Scotch ales than anything, haven't they? I think so. Wasn't that the first couple were? Uh-huh. I don't know. We'd have to go back and look. But could be wrong. Was but it yeah, been doing it's, it from what from 2014, something like that. <clears throat> I was just trying to think back, and I'm not sure. 2019 was a Scotch ale. But it's good. You perfect, get the dark chocolate. Perfect yeah. combo. Yeah, I think the dark chocolate is definitely better with the barrel aged. And then 2018 is the one that I absolutely love, as I checked it in. I recorded checking it in three different times in 2018. But the barrel age of that one was phenomenal. So good. Mm. April said DBI fudge cream stout. DBI? Maybe DBI. Oh, double? Double. Double, double, double fudge, fudge cream, cream stout. stout. There you go. It's good. What's the ABV on this again? Nine Sorry. and a half. Ooh, that does not and drink the, like um, nine and a half at all. And the regular one is uh, eight. Hmm. Which seemed to like in the past, weren't they more like six for the regular? Oh. I don't. Know. I know they've been all over, but. Mm-hmm. While I'm chewing, Matt, what you been so up to the last two weeks? Mm. Not a whole lot. Not, no, not really. Not a whole lot. Got to enjoy Halloween with you, so that was cool. 
this one. Do you guys have Always good trick a good or treater turnout at your house? Uh, it came in spurts. It wasn't too bad. We got to um, chillax on the driveway this year, so that was a first. That was kind of nice. Madison went with the neighbors, and then those neighbors' older cousins um, offered to walk the girls around the neighborhood. So we just sat at the you know into the garage and handed out candy. Awesome. Yeah, it just it came in spurts. And those kids that came at the very end, which you know. That's like, that's the best thing to do. Oh, yeah, Man, they got like just yeah. handfuls of candy. Yep. Get rid of it and go in. Yeah, we didn't need to keep it. Yep. They were like, really? Oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing. Yeah, I didn't yeah. find You're my, welcome. I didn't find my favorite candy through anything Arlo what had. So, what is your favorite candy? Sixlets. Six, chicklets? Sixlets. Sixlets? It's like yeah. the, the they're, M&M's cousin, kind of. Yeah, they're, they're a little round ball mm-hmm. with a candy coating. They come six in a pack. Sixlets. Oh, okay. If Kinda I show like you a picture one, you go, oh, yeah. No, they're really tiny. Yeah. Megan likes those, too, a lot. Is it a clear package? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I know what you're And about. it's like a rainbow coloring, says sixlets. Mm-hmm. I know, okay, yep. Cool. What's your favorite candy? I'm going to get made funner for this. Probably Almond Joy. Uh, as long as you didn't say caramel corn. <laughs> I like Almond Joy. I love Almond Joy. My favorite is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but I like Almond Joy. Like, I had a okay, bag over on. there. Before we go any further. Pay attention, Megan. <laughs> freezer or not freezer? Oh, no, we're not. T- oh, freezer, yeah. What? Oh, exactly. Either, either freezer or fridge. Yeah, definitely. I thought we were going to talk about, do you get the normal one in the little square wrapper or do you prefer the seasonal ones? The trees, the pumpkins? Oh, the definitely the OG me i mean i like the other ones but oh gee in the freezer it's too much it's too much inside the regulars have a perfect amount of peanut butter and chocolate it's the it's the seasonal for us i mean i like them don't get me wrong now i i made the mistake and i bought a something seasonal being that it's first of november but they're out the christmas tree cakes oh yeah the little debbies (laughs) oh my god those things have crack in them or something (laughs) Where were we at? We were at. We were somewhere. The other day, someone had those laying out. The Christmas trees. Actually, I think it was at Kevin and Trisha's when we were handing out. Oh, were they giving the candy? Those out for, uh, no, they just had them out for dinner out. that night. I swear it was that. But there used to be like eight in a pack, and now that big box there's only five in there. What did yeah. they did Inflation. they get bigger? No. Inflation. No. <laughs> they have big ones. But they're too much. It's, it's yeah. you feel gluttonous after you eat one of those. Like the, so, it's um, different when you eat. You feel gluttonous after the one big one, but you can eat three small ones like no problem. <laughs> but no, you space but them out. You five space them out. It, it's it's okay. like the oatmeal cream pies. If you yeah, get the big the ones, double, yeah, there's too much, too, much. Yeah. There's too much filling. There's too much filling. Too much. The oat, you, you got to have the balance, like he said. You throw off the balance, man. <laughs> <laughs> so first up today, we have from Electric.co, the largest electric school bus fleet in the U.S. just launched in Maryland. So this was posted uh, October 25th. Uh, Montgomery County Public Schools, one of the largest school districts in the U.S., has deployed the single largest electric school bus fleet in the country. Um, Last year, they took delivery of the first 25 buses, and they installed the electric infrastructure at one of their transportation depots. Uh, They've now added an additional 61 buses uh, to the fleet for a total of 86. 
They are planning to replace all 326 diesel school buses with electric by 2025 and have entirely electric fleet in 10 years. Um, so I guess that would be other than the school buses, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just mind-blowing to see some of the numbers through this article of how much diesel they were using Yeah, and how much they were day. spending. Yeah, 1,600 gallons. Is that what it was? Uh, like it was 6,500 yeah, gallons oh, 60, of diesel. Yeah, oh, right there it is. Yeah, yeah, through the whole fleet. Yeah, but that, yep. that, that's crazy. Think yeah, so once they 6, have... 6,500 um, times five. Well, Yeah, it says once they have all of them, all 326 complete, they're going to they're gonna be saving up to 6,500 gallons of diesel fuel per day. And immediately that's going to cut their cost by 50% just because of the fuel costs. Um, <laughs> I, I don't... I, I, I don't know if it was farther down in this or... In another link that it's probably the other Darren one, yeah. had talking so about the couple, company. So there's a couple. There's a couple of different links. I don't think you. Yeah. See, I added this one, Darren. It's the so this was pretty cool. I did, and then I also added the one for the buses too. Uh, this was the the Thomas built. Yeah, the Thomas um, built. Did they, they make traditional it. buses too? And they uh, just transitioned. I don't know. Um, I didn't look that far into their. Um... So this um this Highland, this Highland company. It's is it Highland, electric. Highland Electric Fleets. So they do fleet management, but it's only for these electric school buses, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I, they've got a couple of this case study. If you click on it, it's actually a video about one of the schools and how they're transitioning. Uh, it's a couple minutes long. I, I won't bore you with that here, but if you you want to check it out, it's a really cool video. Um, and they talk about all the things that they're doing. So the cool thing is, is they. They buy the buses, and then I guess they're renting them or leasing them to the schools. But they're taking care of the infrastructure, all um, of it, they're, maintenance. They're they're tra- <laughs> they're well, they're training them how to use them. They're putting, and then they're, uh, um, uh, you know, so that it's the school districts aren't paying this huge upfront cost by going through them, which I thought was pretty cool. Like I didn't even know something like that existed. Uh, so uh, Kevin Kevin said uh, Thomas built is the best buses. Awesome. Best built buses. Not that I'm partial or anything, but so <laughs> I, I don't know if you know, but just being in the position I'm in, uh, the big bus company around here is Peterman. Oh, is that what we mostly have? The buses from them? No, no, no. Peterman is the group. Okay. So Middletown uses Peterman. Monroe uses Peterman. Madison uses Peterman. They're they're buses, but they're in their districts. Huh? They're they're technically Peterman's buses. So the, they're doing so like it's the just, fleet management, just like so this. basically just so, the, like so this. it's not so that's not really it's a not new a thing. new thing. Okay. Yes, so I didn't what, know that. Yes, that's why I wanted to make sure you guys knew. Okay. Most most of these buses are not. I mean, for a small school like us to mm-hmm. have that many buses, I mean, it, it would sure. be astronomical for them to buy them. Oh, yeah. There's maintain your property taxes would be sky high. <laughs> we have to have a levy, there, levy but, just for the buses. But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty cool that they're doing uh, – they're they're going to that way, you know, because yeah. it's probably easier on them in the long run because of maintenance costs. Well, I'm sure a lot of – You don't change um, oil. You don't, you know – A lot of other districts will, will kind of wait and see, like, how this goes for them. Right. And then – 
Well, know, maybe in, in that in that article, it said Maryland passed something that yeah, they, everybody... ha- they are requiring the whole state to replace them all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was a date in there. Yeah, but, uh, 2030, I thought. I think, 20, I think so. Any new bus by 2025 has, has to, to be, be electric. electric. And then okay. they all have to be replaced. Which is just uh, okay. crazy because that's just a few years down the road. Yeah, uh, two years now. <laughs> yeah, um, but how? I mean, wonder how long a bus actually stays years. in service. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's another thing that I was wondering because like, it seems like a long time, yeah, especially insane. diesel because they can, you know, well, yeah, you can, can get go forever. miles out of a diesel if it's maintained, um, right? Yeah, with well, some of the benefits that Highland states, you know, of course, zero emissions, which is better for the air and everything like that, and the kids on the buses, more reliable because there's less moving parts that you don't have to deal with the engine, um, so the maintenance is reduced. And then the the cool thing they do is like because they're doing the fleet management and all that, you pay only for the miles you drive with their like subscription, hmm. you know, plans. Uh, so you're not paying everything up front. What what I was really impressed with, because you know how big a bus is, mm-hmm. and the range they were getting out of these buses, like 238 miles or something like that. Yeah. It was crazy. I was yeah. like, huh? Or was so, it no? It was, no, it was 100. It was 100 and something. 128. But or but it said they could charge in what like 30 minutes? Two to three hours. For a full charge. For a full charge, yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, so, I mean, because they break them down in, like, high school kids and then junior high, and then so they can come back and... So this video, so that guy on the right that was just talking, he's one of the founders or directors, I think, of um, of Highland. And then the other guy was one of the fleet managers or one for, like, a school district. So they had already started using some of their services and buses and he was talking about like it takes twenty minutes to refuel a diesel bus, is yeah. what he was saying. So, yeah, I mean, and then if you're third or fourth in line, six sixty. Yeah, now I'm you're waiting more, almost. Yeah. Now you're waiting forty or sixty minutes because you know they only have so many pumps. You you know maybe three or four at a time. And he was like, you know, how long does it take to to plug in the the bu- like fifty buses? And he's like, well, every driver when they come back they plug it in, and that's part of the thing that they do is the, the training and then. Each bus has its own charger and everything like that. So, they, yeah, it does take a lot of infrastructure to do that. But that's one of the things that they do as part of their, their service is they put the infrastructure in, the chargers, I mean, it's and all a, that stuff. It's a one-stop shop. It was yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with it. And that. that school, I mean, starting out with that school district, one of the largest ones in the U.S., I mean, mm-hmm. if you think it succeeds there, how easy is that going to scale to the smaller and then districts yeah. around the United if States. You, if you think about even more, how big are schools? Yeah, depend. Yeah, they're big. I mean, they're big buildings. Right. So, what can you put on those big buildings? Yep. Solar, baby. Solar, or the wind. They didn't generators. really talk about any of that. Right, so. but but I'm 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 looking down the but future. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that like that then that will reduce it even further. Mm-hmm. It's it, you know it's going to take you know you ten twenty years, but, but if the buses last that long. But the buses aren't at the school all the time, right? I mean, right. But yeah, they're at a yard like like Monroe. They have a yard that's there that, that has, they char- they're, they're in they're, overnight. But their 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 maintenance garage is big, so I mean, it, you're going. It is a bus. <laughs> Why don't they just put solar panels on the top of the bus? <laughs> oh, now you're talking, baby. Maybe that or will go to the you thin. have battery storage that we're going to talk about later at that location, so that they can the solar can charge the battery storage during the day while they're driving the routes. And then when they come back in to plug in at night, it's using the storage from the batteries to charge the buses and not the grid. I mean, there's so many options. So so many, but mind blowing. I mean, really though, wasn't something else in the article or from this Highland website talking about how the buses 
can support the grid. Yeah, they were talking about like you know eventually being able to use them. As, I mean, because if you talk about these, like we're going to talk about the microgrid up in here in a little yeah. bit. Is you've got a huge battery, like the buses are huge battery storage. Oh, yeah. it's a two hundred twenty-seven kilowatt hour battery pack. Yeah, maybe that's where I got the two hundred from. Yeah, um, and then the hundred and some miles of range. But yeah, that's two and a half times most other electric vehicles. Um, and yeah, so here's a little bit more about Highland. You know, this is all the things they do: plan, budget, build, train charge and then help you know help maintain as well um it's really cool i like i didn't know this is this even existed but uh yeah I pretty either. cool um i don't know how he found that article how'd you find this article did you get like an email at work or something no i was uh <laughs> you know because somebody listens to you all the time and oh yeah yeah, and I, I opened up Facebook, and it was, the, like, the first article <laughs> oh, that was, on was, Facebook. was right well, there. Well, really? I mean, you follow, news, yeah. you follow electric.co, so right. you, I see all their stuff on Facebook, too. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh, that's cool. And I just, and then they had the other links out to Highland, and here's the one for, for Thomas Built. So this is, the, uh, this is the majority of the buses I think they said they were using. They are using some of the smaller ones as well, but this was mostly what they're using. I like, I like it. It's called Safe T Liner. Yeah, and, and Julie. Um, like a jewels, uh, jewels of electricity. Um, yeah, the, so they, they've been in the industry for more than 100 years. And, I mean, it's just cool to see a company like this. I mean, this is going to have to happen if they want to, you know. I mean, yeah, we may need mechanical ice buses for a little while longer, but this is where everything's going. So they're already they're going to be in the forefront of this, which is cool. <laughs> yes, Darren? I, I just had, like, why... Somebody why why did Kevin say Thomas built buses are the best? Thomas uh, the train, maybe? I don't know. His last name. Exactly. It, oh, I did, it just popped okay. into my head. Why I didn't said. get it either. That's a good one. <laughs> um, this was uh, another cool video, too, if you click on this. It's like another little story from a school. Um, it, you know, it's market marketing, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, range Yeah, so here's miles, some of the info. Two to three charging. I, I didn't even check out this. Additional oh, you did, you link. Look at, this? look at the look zero. At the to, look at the zero to sixty. So you know that's, that, that's, that's a, a heavy boy right there. Yeah, <laughs> but com, but it's a compared bus. to a diesel bus. Yeah, I don't know what, what is. What are we talking what? about? I don't know. Half the time. I don't know. I have no idea. And the, and the, I mean, most of the time, it's probably only going 25, 35 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're getting all of the technology that comes with an electric vehicle. So over the air management. Uh, and yeah, the bilateral vehicle to grid capabilities, and that might have been where you've seen it. Yeah. Um, liquid cool battery pack, but uh, it's pretty cool stuff, man. Like up to eighty-one passengers. I wonder if they're putting seat belts in these names. I always wonder why they didn't put why they didn't put seat belts in buses. Like, because so every go, now and then you see them that they tip over and stuff on the news. So, so when you go over a speed bump, all the kids hit their head, <laughs> knock them out. <laughs> Shut up, kids! I just know. I I don't know. You would think by now they would require any new buses at a certain point to have seatbelts, but maybe there's a good reason that they don't need them. I, I just don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah, here's the State of Maryland's Climate Solutions Now Act of 2022 requires all new school bus purchases and contracts to be electric by 2025. And that's awesome. I mean, that, that, you know. <clears throat> that enough is probably the push to get, you know, a company to go. Right. EV, if a state is requiring you know, those kind of guidelines for yeah, but when purchases. It's out because they're getting money from them, right? Yeah. Well, go if you go back to that article. Which one? Uh, the electric.co. Okay. Uh, I think near the very bottom, 
it talked about, oh, right there. EPA doubles electric school bus funding to almost $1 billion after overwhelming initial oh, okay. demand. That's so, another so article. Getting, yeah, I didn't read that They're one. getting a little bit of funding. <laughs> a little bit? Well, I mean, $1 billion is not going to go very far on bus pro- bus. Well, oh, I wonder if there's f- funding in the new legislation that just passed Maybe. for buses. I mean, there's a lot of EV stuff in there. I just right. don't know. I mean, I'm sure some of it is can be used for different things, so I guess they could use it for buses too. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. From firstsolar.com, we have uh, a press release where they're uh, detailing they have a new innovation in thin film PV, uh, and they're investing $270 million to ad- advance the R&D for that. And they're building um, a new R&D facility to optimize the rate of learning, reduce downtime on the commercial production lines. And um, they're located here in Ohio. And that uh, they are in other places too, but they have, they already have, they're already making solar panels in Perrysburg. Um, but now they're um, adding this new R&D facility because one of the things is that their production line for the, the, uh, the panels, they can't do the R&D and the production at the same time. So they have to stop production run a test batch of whatever they're working on or they want to test and then then retool it or do whatever they got to do to start the regular production back up. So this will allow them to have continuous R&D sandbox separate from their commercial production line so that they can accelerate their their R&D. I think a 1.3 million square foot. It's pretty big, right? It's a pretty big R&D. Cuz what was the Amazon one up 1. the 1.2? 1.2. That place is huge. Um, it'll feature high-tech pilot manufacturing line equipment allowing for production of full-size prototypes of thin film and tandem PV modules, contingent upon permitting and stuff, of course. Um, they expect to be completed in 2024. Um, they also have already invested over $1.5 billion in R&D, um, currently operating a dual-purpose manufacturing line at the Perry, Perrysburg facility, like I said, which handles both today, but now it'll, it'll be separate. Um, so a lot of good info in there. Um, and Matt, you said that, uh, so you added this. So Perrysburg is a city located in Wood County, Ohio, uh, along with, along the south side of the, is it, is it Maumee, right? Maumee. Maumee River. The population was 25,000 at the 2020 consensus, or 2020 census. Part of the Toledo metropolitan area, the city is 12 miles southwest of Toledo. That's a to me, that sounds like a really large place for yeah. a population of 25,000. That's insane. And now they're going to invest $270 million more? Yeah. Um, That's awesome for Ohio. Yeah. It says they expect the new facility will play a pivotal role in solidifying America's leadership in the development and responsible production of high-performance thin-film photovoltaic semiconductors, uh, said Marcus uh, Glockler, chief technology officer for solar. This facility will be designed with the future in mind, and we expect that it will directly enable the next generation of advanced photovoltaics. Uh, They're unique among the world's 10 largest solar manufacturers for being the only U.S. headquartered company and only manufacturer of thin film PV modules. The company's consistent investment in developing cadmium telluride since 1999 has made the semiconductor the second most common PV technology in the world, after crystalline silicone, hmm. so I didn't. I didn't know that. I um, wonder. I wonder actually how, because I've never really seen 
one of their cells. I mean, because, mm-hmm. you know, traditional solar panels are a good four inches, five inches thick. Yep. So I wonder what, what they can do. Hmm. I, I'm not sure I they have patents on that look, film and stuff. Yeah, so. I didn't look at, at at or do they need the rest of it for all the wiring and circuitry and probably. Um, I mean, I don't know how how I've never seen a deconstructed solar panel. So it depends. Yeah, it depends on I who mean, makes is that too. panel that thick, and then the rest of it's all for electronics. I'm sure they have pictures on here. I just didn't pull any in. Um, it said they recently announced an investment of up to 1.2 billion in scaling production of American-made, responsibly produced solar modules, expanding the company's U.S. manufacturing footprint to over 10 gigawatts by 2025. Crazy. Um, Additional to the Ohio facilities, they also operate factories in Vietnam and Malaysia, and they're building their first one in India, which is scheduled to begin operations in the second half of next year, uh, 2023. Uh, On completion of the expansion plans in the United States and India, the company expects to have over 20 gigawatts of annual global manufacturing capacity in 2025. Pretty cool. I mean, that's just a few years away. Yeah. I mean, we're almost in 2023. So. I know. It's a, I mean, just think about two and a half years ago when we started talking about just, you know, all of this stuff, electric vehicles, solar technology, you know, just renewable energy in general. And we're like, man, this is going to be so cool. Like, the, I think you said it, like, the next five or ten years, we're going to see so many crazy things, and it's, like, starting. It's coming. Yeah. It's like, you know, any of those people that were like, yeah, we, we'll, we'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah. And there's still some things that I'm like, yeah, we'll see. But – we're seeing it. <laughs> it's coming soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's super cool. From nanograph.com, they have made a new 18650 cell. Uh, you know this was from March, right? I don't know if you've seen that, March 2022. Yeah. But some of the stuff in here is, like, getting ready to happen, so I think it's still really relevant. Um, and it's actually – they've actually uh, are getting ready to make one that's even better than this. So they've already made this 3.8 amp hour 18650, uh, and and it's a government contract, and they just won a new government contract to make a 4.3 amp hour. And what they're going to use this for is military applications. So like night vision goggles, communication devices, uh, I mean, I'm sure like flashlights. And, and what I didn't realize is that – how many products they already had their cells into yeah, I didn't know either. that people are using. And, and, you know, what, what is like the, you still use 18650s? Uh-huh. What is the amp hour on those now? Two and a half? I don't know. I so, don't know what it is on those. I mean, the last time I bought any for like flashlights or anything like that, I think they were in the two something range, maybe three. <laughs> These are 3,500 milliamp hour. So 3.5. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but I mean, in that size, every time they increase the energy density, it just it increases how long it can last. And um, these and these batteries right here, they last forever. And so they forever. they just won a one million dollar development contract from the U.S. Department of Defense to produce the next generation, which I said is going to be the four point three amp hour, and it will improve soldiers' combat readiness. And like I said, it goes into that, and it says. Soldiers carry upwards of 20 pounds of lithium-ion batteries to power communication devices, goggles, helmets, and more. Battery power technology helps soldiers achieve their missions, but the weight can result in fatigue and mobility issues, putting soldiers at risk. Improved battery performance is key, and the ability to provide excellent communications and keep them safe, of course. These batteries will continue, their nanograph batteries will continue to improve runtime and 
on the U.S. soldiers' equipment, resulting in increased overall performance. And it says the this is the second contract that they won. The first one is uh, in, was in 2021, where they made the 3.8 amp hour batteries. Um, and then this new cell volume will th- those are actually went into production this year in the spring. And then these new ones, the 4.3, they said they're expecting them to go into volume production in Q2 in 2024. I'm sure they have mm-hmm. to build the the manufacturing line and everything like that for it. So or they're already building them. And- it's a government contract, and we don't know nothing about That's it. That's true. Yeah, I'm sure they don't share uh, all of that. But I guess I mean that I, kind I of don't. Stuff happens. <laughs> how much of you a living under a rock, boy? How much of a difference from three eight to from three eight to four three? I, I mean, I I'm sure they probably have some tests and things on here. But I mean, I didn't really even look if, into even it, if but. you're talking like forty five minutes to an hour extra runtime, that could mean you know. Yep. That's life or death for someone in the military. That's what the article said. Yeah. And I wonder if they have got some kind of system where they can have, like, a ba- central battery pack that can power a bunch of different stuff, which would, if they can use less batteries, would make or, it lighter, too. Or they go one step further and have an exoskeleton that they can, they can strap power on. That they can power all their batteries, batteries on and too, right? make a soldier ten times stronger than a normal soldier. You know, they're, te- you know they're testing that Wasn't there stuff. a movie about that? Yeah, wasn't that with Matt Damon? Where he had those, those suits? The one he kept having to do the loop, didn't he have something like I that? I thought uh, Tom Cruise had a movie like that. Really? Or no, that was Tom Cruise. Sorry, was Matt, did Matt Damon have something? No, I'm thinking it was Tom Cruise. Day after tomorrow or something? It's kind of no. like a Groundhog Day. No, sort of day after thing. tomorrow was the the one where the aliens. Yeah, I that was thought. Tom Cruise. No, but the one you're thinking of had what's her name in it? Um, you know her. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know. From Energy X, man, they they have all kinds of stuff. Energyx.com. Yeah, you gotta be careful how far you scroll down, just because it it bleeds. It into goes, other yeah, it goes stuff. on and on and on. But just this part is. Yeah, really so this cool. was so like this unit, as far as I understand it, from what I was reading, and I did watch one of their videos, and we just talked about this last podcast about the lithium, the lithium mining, right? The farms, the the ponds, mm-hmm. the lithium ponds. So this is like going to be the future of lithium extraction, I guess, mm-hmm. or it already is in some cases. So what they're able to do is using their technology. It's called a lithium-ion transport and separation light TAS. I'm assuming is how they're pronouncing it. Um, it's their suite of lithium selective and processing mechanisms that incorporates proprietary mixed matrix membranes to improve lithium recovery for existing and new lithium brine resource producers. So in layman's terms, <laughs> if you if you walk, go back and watch the, uh, the segment from last week we talked about, or last podcast there's um normally they like they flood they flood the uh the area where these minerals are at bring it to the surface they use a lot of water and then they let it dry out and it takes like what was like 18 months long time like 12 to 18 months for these beds to dry out (laughs) then they can go in and, and scoop up the dried materials and then they can process out the lithium which they use other chemicals and stuff to do very intensive, lots of resources, long time. This thing can do it in like days, mm-hmm. but you got to have a bunch of them um, in order to do that. And it, it was even talking about like some of those traditional pond extraction companies are starting to bring these in to segment to 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 help you know increase, increase. the production, mm-hmm. and then slowly transition to probably something like this for everything. 
because we're gonna we're not gonna be able to keep up with demand if it takes eighteen months for one of those. Even though they were trying to get new the new area, this may negate the need for that if if it works. I mean, like they said, it does. I mean, think of how much land they're gonna need to take up to bring that production volume up. Yep. If you can just shrink something down to a right. few warehouses with these in it doing the same thing instead yep. of taking over hundreds of thousands of acres, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yep. So it says recovery rate of around 90%. So they can get about 90% out of the lithium out of the raw material. Uh, the process takes about one to two days instead of 18 months. And it, the amount of fresh water needed is minimal compared to tons and tons of water mm-hmm. that may be needed. And the power requirements is less than 100 per ton. That's um, crazy. And so here, you know, there's a bunch of more information on this. The mixed matrix membrane that they use, the uh, the, mem- the and then they, they that gets put into the membrane the membrane module, which then gets put into the cluster rack, and then you put a bunch of these cluster racks. It says thousands of module stacks are linked together in electrodialysis dia- units to form a lithium extraction facility. Like I don't know how many it takes, or what a normal deployment might look like, but I'm sure it's going to be a ton of those things. Yeah. Um, and it says, you know, here's a breakdown of like the different things that they may use, different companies may use. But it says, you know, current lithium technology uh, falls short in one area of the other. Their technology is far more effective um, and available. Uh, re- methods such as reverse osmosis can separate all ions out of water but are not selective. Uh, nanofiltration can selectively separate ions but can't operate in high salinity environments, over 10% salinity. So if you're, you've got salt water, that's not going to work um, without unless you dilute it with fresh water, which is, again, that's a whole thing in and of itself. Other processes such as ion sorption and ion exchange can't operate at high salinity, uh, are a batch process versus a preferred continuous process, and require high amounts of fresh water and reagents with high power consumption. So I like how they kind of broke all this down. I mean, we're t- learning more and more about this all the time, and I think it's going to become more and more important because we're going to the demand is just going to go crazy. It's already yeah, I mean, already is because lithium's so hard to mine as it is, and we you know we don't have the mining stuff. We don't have enough set up at least in the continental, you know, in, in North America we don't like other countries do, but for sure, and they're mine. They're not just doing it in the U.S. I mean, they're right. they're doing it. I think they mentioned um, it's a little bit lower, but. How the this like their founder or whatever um, went over to it was like some trip and that's how he kind of came to him because he was in the salt desert or something. I didn't see that. Like I said, I didn't go that deep into the article. Yeah. Well, not the article, but just their unless page. it was unless that was another article, but I'm pretty sure it was this one. Um, yeah. So here's the ref- actual refinery. So compared to conventional ponds, which is what we talked about previously, 18 months versus a few days. The recovery rate comparison, so the ponds get about 30% of the lithium out of the uh, raw material, whereas they can do 90%, which is, that's... Yeah, that's where they're right there. Um, uh, gallons of fresh water used, 18,000 tons versus 800 tons. Uh, performance comparison, low versus high, I'm not sure exactly what that is. Maybe the, just, you know, how good it is the, as far as overall. And then cost, which I thought was, you know, I figured it would be closer so it's about forty two hundred versus twenty five hundred. Um, now I don't know like wh- like what that unit measurement is. Yeah, didn't, didn't, it's I not. Didn't there's nothing that. like per like with is the it, gallons. I'm assuming per ton because they're talking about tons for water. But 
I know a ton of lithium seems like it would cost way more than $2,500, but I don't know. But that's still crazy. And it takes up way less space. Yep. In theory, depending on how many you have to have linked together. And not only do they have this technology, but they're also developing battery tech too, which, you know, in energy storage and they're doing lithium metal batteries. Um, just a couple quick facts. So in 2023, they'll have one terawatt hours of battery output. Uh, by 2030, they're going to be able to supply up to 21 million vehicles with batteries. Um, you know, of course, we're around 3 to 5% of EVs in the market today, um, but that's growing every year. Yeah. And they're also involved in not just making this stuff, but also refining it and doing it sustainably so that it's just not clogging up landfills and, you know, impacting the environment and being worse off. Um, so I wonder, because <clears throat> we've, we've done numerous things on battery recycling and whatever, so with this unit right here, I wonder if there's a way that they could strip the lithium back out of the batteries to recycle it to yeah. be used again. That'd be cool, yeah. I mean, somebody would maybe have to break it back down and then, but there's a ton of companies. Uh, was it was it Maxwell, the, the, one of the Tesla founders that left? And what was that company he started up that we talked about four or five start episodes with the ago? R or something. Yeah, Redwood. Maybe. Redwood Materials, I think, That's, is what yeah. it was called. But there's a bunch of companies. Like the whole the whole life chain, the life cycle of uh, extraction to putting it in a device, recycling it back, and then making it into something new. That you know, it's it needs to be a closed loop as much as possible because we can't just be dumping this stuff in landfills. It's just not, it, we're not going to overall in the long term. it's still going to be better, but we can do better than that. And I think that's yeah. the goal with a lot of this too. Um, it's saying that the market for zero emission hybrid and full electric vehicles is estimated to be worth 912 billion by 2026. And they predict <sighs> there will be a, 130 million EVs on the road by 2030. So here's kind of like a little graph of annual sales versus total EV fleet. And you can see they've got 2020, 2030 estimate and 2040 estimate. They got over 500 million by 2040. That's crazy. I think we, and we've talked a lot about, I think we say that we think it's going to be even faster than that, but we'll see. I mean, we have to be able to make them, which has been the problem, right? Well, getting the batteries, getting the supply chain. But that's not, I mean, that's not the only our, our infrastructure yeah. for power is not set up to that too. handle yep. that. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that's going to have to happen. But it's nice that, that they are coming up with, because... They're thinking about it now, which is what we need. But the whole the whole problem with it is, is you know, people want to go solar, but they don't want to have to go back to grid power at night. Mm-mm. And, if they don't and to, yeah. battery storage is just outrageously priced. Yep. I mean, what's a, what's a power wall? Fifteen twenty thousand. Fifteen thousand, I think, if you buy it with like. But a you system. have to have their solar roof, and you know, mm-hmm. and then you could make your own if you have the smarts to do to do it. Yeah. So you just you bite the bullet. You go ahead and get the F one fifty Lightning. <laughs> you get your solar panels. You get the switch over connection. Yep. And then at night, you just run the house off the F one fifty. Yeah. And then during the day, you let the solar recharge. Do its thing you know run the house or whatever run the house at night off That's the, the goal, truck man. then the, yeah. the truck in theory should be able to run the house overnight yeah there's yeah. no well, demand right and and i can drive to work if i can just get work to install a charger 
Yep. Mm. I mean, I mean we, you, only, you only need like a level two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we I was at Matry for an hour and a half yesterday and got like 40% range <laughs> just sitting there because they have free chargers. Nice. Um, they've got some Tesla That's chargers. Dope. But they also replaced a couple of the Tesla chargers with Electrify. Is it Electrify America or, or EVGo? Or what's the other? ChargePoint? Charge, ChargePoint. Yeah. They have ChargePoint chargers now too. Because I think that's what... Uh, because, like, the like the first like the first charger, and each of them had two charging uh, cables on it, mm-hmm. was always broken, I think, because that's the one that got used all the time. Mm-hmm. But a trick that I found is, like, hit the re- they have a reset button on them, and a lot of them will start working again. I think they've just either tripped due to weather or whatever, and people just don't hit the reset button. So I found out, like, most of the time that... But there was one that just, like, wouldn't work, so I think they char- changed that one out to a charge point. Um and people were using that. Um, it was it was all Teslas there yesterday, but um, you could use it for a Rivian or whatever if you needed to. What were you gonna say? I forgot. Dang it! I forgot. Squirrel. Shoot. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about is they're also they're 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 developing lithium metal battery systems and technology. Um, and what this will be able to do is it, it's a, it's a two to five times higher density than the current lithium batteries, lithium ion batteries. Um, charging time of less than 15 minutes, up to 10-year longer life cycle than lithium-ion batteries. And they're not flammable because it's more of a solid state. Um, and they're able to do that because that, that same film or, and te- other technologies that are using in the, the extraction, they're able to apply some of that to their battery tech. Um, and I don't think these are out yet. I think it's something they're working on. I don't, at least I don't think it's in any pr- uh, commercially available car. Um, maybe they're doing it with some other things, but they're going to be more energy dense and last longer and be able to charge faster, which I know there's a lot of companies working on solid state type batteries. So again, that'll be cool because yeah. that's going to reduce the amount of times it has to be recycled, how long it'll last. Um, I know Tesla's talking about once they get to that point, they'll be able to pull a battery pack out of a car and then put it into an energy storage solution without having to recycle it at all. Just pull the pull the pack out, put it right in, start using it for grid. Because even if the capacity is reduced down to sixty or fifty percent of the original, it can still be used on the grid and last another five ten years. Well, I mean that's that's the whole reason I have. I couldn't tell you how many eighteen six fifty batteries I have because I pull my laptops or drill batteries that mm-hmm. are go bad because it's nine times out of ten when a battery pack goes dead, it's because of one battery. Right. The BMS is like. Yep. Nope. And all you got to do is find that one battery, eliminate it. And, and you're, I you're think what some of them have started doing, and I, I don't know for sure if they're all doing that, but they're making banks or packs within the pack. So if one does happen to go bad, they can still use the other ones. It doesn't hmm. kill the whole thing, but I don't know if they're all doing that, of course. Uh, this is what I was talking about, um, the founder, and how it was all kind of like how it started. This is what I was reading where I got that info. Earlier, so it was conceived when Tegan Egan or Teague Egan rather was on a sabbatical exploring South America. He ventured across the Salar de Uni. I know I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> in the mountains of Bolivia, he came to learn this area was not only the world's largest salt flat of four thousand square miles, but also the world's single largest lithium reserve held in the salt brines below, part of a larger area known as the Lithium Triangle. Up to 75% of the entire world's lithium is captured in the small area, this, this small area between Chile, Argentina, and Bolivia. Primarily untapped and with the biggest opportunity, he set his eyes on, he set his eyes on, and Energy X was born. 
I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. 4,000 square miles. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was pretty cool, too, because, you know, the core values, of course, innovation, creative, but sustainable. So everything our team does starts with one goal in mind, sustainability. We strive to make the world a cleaner place with efficient products and protocols that minimize atmospheric impact on biodiversity, toxic emissions, and material waste. But I, he also goes, and I think it was maybe it was another section, but um, they're talking about like not trying to, what, however they end up sourcing this stuff, like not u- making sure there's no child labor involved and yeah. it's it's sustainably read, sourced and all I that. I read stuff. that and I was like, That's you know, cool. you didn't even don't even think about that in the United States, you yeah. know, because of all the child labor laws and everything. Yep. But some of these places, man, they just they don't care. No. It was from Stanford EDU, so Stanford University in California. <clears throat> They've got engineers that have, well, it was really the, the main primary. There was one primary engineer, mm-hmm. uh, and she was able to build this new device and refine it. And it's a, an optical con- concentrator, and it could help solar arrays capture more light, even on cloudy days without tracking the sun. So, And it goes into this, uh, into the article, but... What some people do is they put their solar arrays on motors that can track the sun throughout the day so that they, it's because the more direct the sunlight hits them, the more efficient they are. Well, with this, it doesn't need to do that, and it can still be just as efficient and even efficient on cloudy days when regular solar panels just don't work very well at all, Yeah, which I thought was super cool. And they had some, like, they did have some, um, like, side views of this, to, you know, because I thought, like, how thick does this thing need to be? But... So wasn't, wasn't that you, bad. you add this to a traditional solar panel and add the overlay that we talked about on last podcast mm-hmm. that uses the other the wavelength, dual layer, the, the other, other light wavelengths of light that, that can't be used. Or yeah. And they were at 33%. And we could get to 50%. Oh yeah. In or, 10 or 15 years or better. But I still think that this technology is on a different type of solar panel because you're focusing yeah. the light to a particular point little area on the panel instead of just a large array. Yeah. You but have even, like multiple he, of these squares right. all yeah. There's all a picture over. of it. Yeah, but they could be they could be linked together. Yeah, and, and that's what they were doing. Into each individual. Yeah. Yeah. And even though you're not you don't have the same service area because it's focused, because it's a focus, it's more intense. And you could actually, they said that you could actually have a smaller panel mm-hmm. and still get more more uh, pr- production out of it because it's higher efficiency and everything like that. And, yeah, so her name is Nina uh, Vaidya, or Vaidya. Um, and she designed, she imagined, designed, and tested. It says researchers, but they, they call her out pretty much on a lot of this. But I'm sure there's other people um, what, involved. What I found was really cool after... A little bit deeper into this but they they were like they were trying to figure out the source materials mm. they were like they just 3d printed, 3D printed it yep um so they imagined designed and tested an elegant lens device that can efficiently gather light from all angles and concentrate it into a fixed output position these graded index optics also have applications in areas such as light management and solid state lighting laser couplers and display technology to improve coupling and resolution so it's not just for for, uh, for solar panels. Um, solar panels work best when sunlight hits them directly to capture as much energy as possible. Like we said, many of them actively rotate towards the sun as it moves to make them more efficient, but it also, that's more expensive, requires more maintenance, and you got to have a, a specific expertise for that stuff. 
these active systems may not be necessary in the future because at Stanford University engineering researcher uh, where Nina designed an elegant device that can efficiently gather and concentrate that light. Um, and a paper that they published goes into the detail. I did not go to the paper because I'm sure it's <laughs> very in-depth, but it is linked in this article if you wish to go and read that at your leisure and when you're when to fall asleep probably. Um, not that it's probably not fascinating, but... It, it read it read like, <laughs> like legal speak. Yes, it, and that's how research papers are. <laughs> but um, the device, which the researchers are calling Agile, an acronym for actually, actually graded index lens, is deceptively straightforward. It looks like an upside-down pyramid with the point lopped off of it. Light enters the square, tile-able uh, top. Light enters the square, tile-able top from another, from any angle of angles, number of angles, and is funneled down to a to create a brighter spot at the output. Uh, in the prototypes, they were able to capture over 90% of the light that hit the surface and create spots at the output that were three times brighter than the incoming light. That's why it can work uh, good on cloudy days as well. Absolutely <clears throat> crazy. Installed in a layer on top of the solar cells, they can make energy arrays more efficient and capture not only direct sunlight, but also diffuse light that has been scattered by the Earth's atmosphere, weather, and seasons. So I didn't ever see anything in this article that told, like, what the heat difference was of using all this film yeah, because you're going to have more either. heat. And it did say these were liquid cooled, I believe. So, so if this produces more energy, mm-hmm. but you could also heat water, but you're getting, you could also heat water, yeah, which or, a lot of solar panels were built, like there are specific ones built for that. Right. I mean, cause you could, it would tie into another article we have later mm-hmm. and you could have free hot water or, you know, if you There's live in a colder yeah. climate, you could have your your use that heat driveway. to power some kind of or your, other device, or your to, driveway would never yeah. need shoveling because you could just oh yeah, you could pump run, it through there, pump it through there, or I mean. do radiant heating in your floor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it says a top layer of agile could replace the existing encapsulation that protects solar arrays, remove the removing the need to track the sun, create space for cooling and circuitry to run between the narrow pyramids of the individual devices. And most importantly, reduce the amount of solar cell area needed to produce energy, and that would help reduce costs, of course. Uh, the uses aren't limited to terrestrial solar installations. If applied to solar arrays being sent into space, an agile layer could both concentrate light without solar tracking and provide necessary protection from radiation. That's pretty cool. It's a shame this didn't come out before James Webb went out. I know, right? Uh, so th- I don't think this has any sound, but you got it off anyway, right? Yeah, I got it down. Um, it's just a, it's only like 17 second long, but this is like an animation of what it would look like. And it didn't say if they've actually built any of these yet. So, and it looks like they each have like a little IC or something on them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I want to see, I want to see one of these things when they make them. But, uh, yeah, and it goes into, you know, a bunch of more detail, yes. of course, and Tons more scientific information and really uh, techy stuff. Yeah, we won't, we won't go super deep, but, uh, uh it's it, like, between this, the battery tech, the water batteries, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, it's coming. I mean... I mean, we're going to have tons of options depending on where you live and what works best and what's be the a, cheapest There'll be in the, way. a day in the next five years that we just go, can you believe that? <laughs> I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, most of the stuff that we're going to is, is just crazy. But, I mean, if you think about it, like back when we grew up, we didn't have cell phones we didn't have any of that stuff and we've watched this progression of tech just come into fruition i mean think about 
the little ROMs that you played a video game on that was mm-hmm. it was it was tiny. It was just a little stick, and now you you have more than more power than that in your little cell phone that you have in your hand. It's just mind blowing where tech goes. So another ten years from now, who knows what we're going to have? Oh, yeah. another three years from now. Yep. And I this mean, and this is gonna this could be used in other things like they said lasers and lighting lasers. and. And not just the solar panels. But this is why we need to be investing in, you know, going to the moon or not really Mars. But, I mean, we need science and technology investment because this is the things that, like, something they develop to go to the moon or to go to space. Those applications a lot of times can be uh, used for things on Earth as well. Right. I mean, that's why, that's where we got all kinds of stuff from the space race in the in the 60s and 70s is because... They were developing it well, for I mean, that. Think, think about if they had this on the rover that gets solar powered. The thing would still be pumping along there. From <laughs> kvhome.com, uh, this is uh, the new microgrids that are that are coming as part of new communities. So this builder is building communities that have solar, batteries, um, battery storage, uh, EV chargers, of course, but then they're linking them all together within the community to be their own microgrid. So if the if the power goes out, if your grid power goes out, they can all work together as a microgrid. And including if you have electric vehicles and those electric vehicles support charging back or, or supplying back to the grid, like a Ford F-150 or, or the others, that will be able to be leveraged as well, which it's just, I mean, we've been talking about it and I think we had talked about this, I think, a couple of times before, but they, the first community is actually coming online in California. So, and it's cool because it says it's a it's in so it's it's a bunch of different companies. So you got um, it's Advanced Power and Energy Program at the University of California, Irvine, Southern California, Edison, Schneider Electric, and Kia, which I thought was weird to be thrown in there, but. Uh, they're testing the energy efficiency and resiliency of these new homes lo- located at KB's Homes Oak, Shade, and Durango communities within its popular Shadow Mountain Master Plan in Menifee, California. And there's a picture of uh, one of the home sites there. Um, these new homes will be energy smart connected at these communities, and they'll be equipped with smart technology and backup batteries plus community microgrid connectivity the innovative features are designed to work together to provide a self-supporting energy system that powers a specific neighborhood with a community battery and has the capability to operate independently during a grid outage. Grid outage. Additionally, they were all for a set of benefits compared to homes without these features, including uh, reduced energy usage in a, using innovative technology coupled with advanced home design and certifications enables homeowners to decrease energy usage by 40% while potentially lowering energy cost, they were one of the first builders to be Energy Star certified. When I was looking at all this, <clears throat> it kept coming up about the uh, water sense, like an ad, or no, no, it, it's part of part of the the rating oh. that they have. So, I mean, what do they have? Like super low flow toilets and and know. and showers that barely dribble out i mean i was just I would, curious i would hope what not. the the water sense was i mean because maybe it's just wh- where we monitoring are monitoring the water usage. where we are we don't really have to worry i mean yeah. water's cheap yeah here it is but not yeah out but, there it's not yeah you go to other places that don't don't have that i'm i'd say it's probably monitoring the usage so that you can conserve if you when you need to 
That would be my guess, but I didn't read a lot into that. I didn't either. That's yeah, looking it up. But but it came up a few different times in this article that they were certified for water sense. I think that's and that's part of the Energy Star maybe uh, certification is they have to be, but I don't know for sure. I mean low. I mean all I like can think is low flow low flow taps. Yeah, low flow toilets. Right. So WaterSense, a voluntary partnership program sponsored by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, is both a label for water efficiency products and a resource for helping you save water. So maybe it just helps you WaterSense labeled products and services are certified to use at least 20% less water, save energy, and perform as well or better than regular models. Yeah, kind of like, did you, do you remember that, that Nebbia, that shower head? It was an ultrasonic shower head. So it felt like you were getting more water pressure and more water volume, but it actually used less. Is this a TikTok thing? Is that, no, is this that was the like, one with the little beads in it? That, yeah, that well, I don't know about that, but it's like, it's Nebbia, N-E-B-I-A. Hmm. I mean, they, it's, I've been following them for like four or five years, you but they're really expensive. No, they're really expensive. I, did, I don't, but Why not? I, I wanted, I, I just, it, I didn't think about it until you brought that up. I had just forgotten about it, but they were one of the, they're, they're, I'm sure they're probably a part of that. Yeah. Um, we need to check them out again and see if they even still exist. But that, yeah, that was like their whole thing is like using less water, but it feels like you're getting more of more pressure and more water volume. Oh, no, you're, not your because of the way the water's coming out of the jets. It feels like you're getting more. When I when I get into my shower, yeah, and I got my normal your shower big rainfall head, and, and then then I got regular. my rainfall over top of me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just like. You forget how what that kind of pressure, the water pressure feels like. And like you go to a hotel and you just get blasted. Well, we were at <laughs> we were at her her aunt and uncle's in Texas. Yeah, and they I have really good water pressure. Well, I mean, they have good water pressure, but the head was like oh, these little. So it wasn't your big rain. It was like a straight stream. Your rainforest like, shower. Like you had to like. Get each individual part. He's of got a terraria a, of plants growing in there. Was that an, an eight dollar showerhead? No, it was. It was a one of the big, nice, gold price Fisher. Yeah, but it was just set to like the single stream. It, no, it it coned out and came in. I mean, it was only like huh. this big. It coned out and came it's in. Just so a really it was small. focused like six inches away into a a, a steady stream. What? Huh. Yeah. No good or I, I didn't like no. it because. I couldn't get my soap off. I had gotcha. to like keep touching each, each part of my body to the water. To I was like, this this is horrible. Just, what? I'm, yeah. I would have been better to lather up and go jump in the pool. Jeez. One please. of the other benefits is the essential protection. So homeowners can switch to battery energy energy and use battery energy use in case of an outage and disconnect from the grid to help maintain the home's essential energy functions and continue to operate for a certain period of time. Uh, EV charger ready. Of course, they're putting EV chargers in all of these. Hopefully. And I think it said down below, like with the hopes of they'll be able to use the batteries in the cars to help uh, contribute as well. Convenient real-time monitoring. So homeowners will enjoy the convenience and advantage of app-based monitoring control to easily customize and track their energy usage and storage. I wonder if like Schneider Electric's doing that part, like well, what that looks like. When when we covered the smart uh, breaker panels. Oh, yeah. Was Schneider even mentioned in that because I mean Snyder is square D. I don't think so. It was a new company. 
what was that called? Um, but it wasn't Snyder Electric. No, no it was a then, brand new. And then I'm wondering if they actually have one. I mean, I'm sure they've got it. They're, they're a huge. Yeah, we have, I have to look them up and see what they're doing. I haven't looked at anything from them lately. Did they buy Square D or did Square D yeah, buy they, them? Yeah, they or? bought Square D That's what I thought. a long um, time ago. Less environmental impact. These homes and communities feature in common. These homes and community features in combination can help lower home buyers' carbon footprint and conserve precious natural resources. And, of course, trusted certification. Every Energy Smart Connected home will be certified as a Department of Energy designated zero energy ready home. That's, That's crazy. new. Reflecting a high level of performance with rigorous requirements that build on the EPA's Energy Star, Water Sense, and Indoor Air Plus programs and will be verified by a qualified third party. That's pretty so- cool. I wonder if these are stick-built homes or if they're um, like prefabs, prefab concrete homes. I mean, those look pretty different right. in, as far as the home type. Yeah, I don't know what if they're if they're. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see that. The Dutch Institute, the technology Dutch Technology Institute, like DTU.DK. It's confusing because their their acronym is backwards from the way they say it, so I probably just said it wrong. But anyway. Um, they set a new data transmission record. Using only a single light source, they have set a world record by transmitting 1.8 petabits per second. Their data transmission method uses significantly less power and can help reduce the Internet's climate uh, carbon footprint. So, I, don't, I don't know where this, this little graphic came from, but it doesn't really make sense. But. I want to know... How you even know you're sending 1.8 petabits uh, to know I mean, that they can, they can it yeah they packet. can they can measure it they, they I mean they have um they can measure it because it's a uh, they they got the you know transmitters on each end and, I mean, and they know but they know how much they can they're sending it. at a time and they know what they're sending and receiving that's just but I know we've talked about this crazy. a few times because yeah because there was that Chinese company that did it but they, they weren't even they weren't up they, to a petabit yet it was what they? like 100 gig. I don't remember, but so listen to this. So international group of researchers from the Technical University of Denmark and uh, Kalmers University, University of Technology in Gothenburg, Sweden, have achieved a dizzying data transmission speed and are the first in the world to transmit more than one petabit per second using only a single laser and single optical chip. One petabit corresponds to one million gigabits. One million, and they were at one point eight. I don't almost two petabits. Like how? I don't get. So that's we've talked about like laser tech. I mean, I know I, I used to do. I mean, I studied fiber splicing and fiber technology when I was in when I worked for a telecommunications company. So I kind of I kind of get what they're talking about. And it's just like when fiber first came out, they were putting like tons and tons of like they were like have like a hundred strand fiber. Like, you know, you look at a strand of fibers like this, and there's like, there could be 25 count, 50 count, 100 count, I mean, even probably more than that. But what they, because they thought they were going to need all that, because you only, they thought they could only send so many frequencies, so many colors of light, so many. But a lot of that. Paths down one single fiber. But what we continue to see is that they're coming up with new technologies that over the single, over a single fiber strand, they just keep (laughs) increasing the amount of information they can send which means you hear the term dark fiber i think we've talked yeah. about dark fiber before that means it's you have this huge strand of fiber optic cables and they don't use a lot of the strands because the technology has improved where they don't need to so they'll sell those so when you when you use your cell phone and it goes to the cell phone tower as soon as it hits that cell phone tower it goes to a fiber connected 
backbone. Yep. So the the wireless part is only between you and the tower. Then it's fiber. Um, and that fiber, not in all cases, but in some cases, could might have been dark fiber from a t- other telecommunications company. Muni- municipalities have bought uh, dark fiber from telecommunications companies because it's not being used. Your we, the company that you're using, I don't know if they ran their own or whatnot. They but they did run their own, and it's only a 25 pair because they don't they know they probably the don't need them the for whole the whole town. thing. I'm pulling a gigabit down, yeah, you know, and 250 up off of a shared fiber. So in the experiment, they like I said, they transmitted 1.8 petabits, which corresponds to twice the total global internet traffic. See, that's what blows my mind is how Twice. they measure that much. I don't oh, how do we it. how do we know that, that 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 that's how much there is globally? Just or how do they measure how their much test? they know that it's globally? <laughs> how <laughs> it's just science. <laughs> Whatever you screwed it up. I don't. I don't, I don't know that part, and I don't think it says this. But Matt, it's just science. <laughs> <laughs> but they only carried the. It's only carried by the light from one optical source. The light source is a custom designed optical chip, which can use the light from a single infrared laser to create a rainbow spectrum of many colors, i.e. many frequencies. Thus, one frequency or color of a single laser can be multiplied into hundreds of frequencies or colors in a single chip. All of the colors are fixed at a specific frequency distance from each other, just like the teeth of a comb, which is why it's called a frequency comb. So if you think like a a comb, you've got all these different frequencies of, uh, of light, and which is a different color, and they could be very, very minute in their in their differentiation, which is why they're able to achieve this. Like you, you think about a rainbow. I mean, how many colors are in a rainbow? Ten, twelve, whatever. But now think about one color, like blue. They can have almost infinite different colors of blue. So like, that's how they're able to do this. Like fifty shades of gray. Yeah, and then each frequency can be isolated and used to imprint data. The frequencies can then be reassembled and sent over an optical fiber, thus transmitting the data in, in huge amounts they've discovered. And this is just the beginning. Like, they they think they can make this even better. Um, and it says the experiment demonstrated, demonstrated showed that a single chip could easily carry 1.8 petabits, which will, with contemporary state-of-the-art commercial equipment, would otherwise require more than 1,000 lasers to achieve. Um one laser. <laughs> one laser, one chip. And it how, says... How big was the laser? Well, and it says that this this was not what they were trying to do. It says this chip was not optimized for this particular application. It was being developed for something else, and they just happened like, to test it for this. Whoops. Just like, just like, just like gum was made. Was so what they whoops? did is they created WD-40? this for something else, and then they reverse engineered it to make it work specifically for this. Um, but they said, in addition to the, in addition, the researchers created a computational model to examine the theoretical fundamental potential for the data transmission with the, with the, a single chip identified to the one used in the experiment. The calculation showed enormous potential for scaling up of the solution. So it says, based on their calculations, with a single chip um, and a single laser, they can, they can transmit up to 100 petabits a second. 100 petabits, which is almost 100 times what the daily global transmission data rate is. That's just ridiculous. 
get that Netflix right now. <laughs> it says the reason for this is that our solution is scalable both in terms of creating many frequencies and in terms of splitting the frequency comb into many spatial copies and then optically amplifying them and then using them as parallel sources which can transmit data. Although the comb copies must be amplified, we do not lose the qualities of the comb which we utilize for spectral efficient data transmission. So a lot of times when you amplify, especially on the, um, well, not digital, analog, when you amplify an analog signal, so like think of uh, an analog uh, music or something like that, it gets noisy. And you hear the noise, it just gets muted, or you know there's something. They're, they're not having that issue currently is what they're saying. So because it's digital. What was the professor's name that did this? Uh, Professor Lee. You just wanted me to try to say it. <laughs> Professor Leif Katsuo Oxenlo, head of the Center of Excellence of Silicon Pho Photonics for Optical Communications at DTU. Yeah, Oxenlo, the O has the little, yeah. so it's Swedish, but I'm sure that's not the right pronunciation, but I'll do it for you, buddy. Um, his name was Leif. Leaf, like Leaf Erickson, Erickson, like the the Viking. The Viking. Uh, another cool thing too um, was that because they can do this on a single chip and single laser, and get so much efficiency out of that, like it could drastically reduce the amount of power that's needed to transmit data globally. Because there's these big switching centers now for the internet, where all the traffic has to pass through, and it takes a massive amount of computing power, optical fiber lasers and and chips this will this could help reduce that because they can pack so much more into a, a single chip and it could reduce the amount of power required to do that which Ke is pretty cool <clears throat> kevin wanted you to know that uh that the color in the rainbow equals how many colors in skittles so seven seven that's only what we can see though yes <laughs> i didn't is it seven yeah that's pro i mean i never counted them Right there, count those. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, that just Repeat. makes my eyes blurry. <laughs> <laughs> For those who can't see, I have like a, I have a sound panel on the wall that has a rainbow pattern print on it, and yeah, they're. I'm actually getting ready to recover yeah, those. It, it looks like it's waving like that, but I know it's it. It it is waving because it's okay. where it's stretched. It's where I stretched it to staple it. But um, it's super cool. Like it's just, what are they gonna do next year? Like it seems like every year we we see this. What's, what's bigger than a petabit? <sighs> Exobit. A Google. Exobit. I don't know. What was a Google? Gaggle or a, a Google? Ginormous number. Yeah, Google was like. Uh, a it's an unfathomable thing that you we just can't we can't even comprehend. I mean, freaking a petabit is one hundred million gigabits. Yeah. Now that's bits, b i t s, not b y t s. So that is a smaller number, but still, that's still a lot. It is a very lot, a very lot. I would like to have a hundred bits of fistful of fifties. You could transfer the whole internet in 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 you know one time. You couldn't store that, it. <laughs> I, I just so that. last up from Audi and Ken Block and the is it, it's Hoonigan, right? Hoonigan. I, I, okay. They have they have like merch and everything. Oh like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. They're, they got a um, whole, they got all kinds of stuff on their YouTube channel like, too. It's like Red Bull. Here's Red oh, Bull, yeah, Red which Bull. is part of them. But yeah, are they? Here's Red Bull, and then here they are. They're like, That's crazy. we're stupider than <laughs> any of you ever thought about. I don't know that Red guy Bull. that just did that that uh, jump out of that Capsule out of that atmosphere. Did you that see was that? A long time ago, wasn't it? 
He did that years ago. It's just no. They just did it again, yeah, and oh, he broke the, and he yeah. broke the record. Oh, okay. That's I didn't crazy. See that. I so, didn't watch it because I thought it was the same. No, it was a new one. one. He went higher this time. Um, so on October 25th, Ken Block, uh, in a custom-built Audi S1 Hunitron, they shut down Las Vegas for like, I don't know if it was continuous, but they must have done it because it was only at night when they filmed it. It must have been like a few hours each night, I'm assuming. Well, you could tell because of the extra rubber on the middle of the road. (laughs) Yeah, you could see that there was multiple. But they did it like over like several nights, and um, basically they shut down the strip so that he could film this. And it's like, what, seven, eight minutes long, I think? It's ridiculous. It's just tires burning the whole time. Yeah. Um, So it, it says, A drift along the famous Eiffel Tower, a spectacular jump from the parking deck of a neighboring hotel, or donuts on the legendary strip in front of a spectating Le Mans legend, Tom Christensen, Ken Block, the Audi S1 Hunitron, and other models from the Audi from Audi's traditional collection of treasures made a splash during the nighttime film shoot in Las Vegas. The U.S. star in the Audi S1 e-tron Quattro Hunitron electrified the gambler's paradise in Nevada's desert for several days. Now Ken Block has released the cinematic product, which it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday or maybe it was uh, two days ago, but it's it's been out for a couple of days now, and it's <laughs> and he's done stuff like this before. Um, and it says with the S1 Hunitron, they broke entirely new ground at Audi. It says Oliver Hoffman, member of the board for technical development at Audi, developing a fully electric prototype for the unique requirements of our partner Ken Block was a big and exciting challenge to which the whole team rose with flying colors. It's great to see how Vorsprung Dirch Technik is presented in an all-new environment. I don't know what that means. Um, it says that the new uh, S1, the Audi S1 Hudatron has two electric motors, all-wheel drive, power galore, a carbon fiber chassis, and f- and fully complies with the safety standards of the FIA uh, Motorsports Governing Body. Audi Sport Development is a one-of-a-kind car. Audi Sport Developed. It is a, a one-of-a-kind car exclusively for Ken. Uh, it's a body shell for which Audi Design, led by Mark Litch, is responsible. Immediately evokes memories of the legendary Audi Sport Quattro S1, which the four rings charged to the top of in the famous Pikes Peak Hill Climb race. Ken Block and his team engaged in close exchange with Audi departments during the development of the vehicle. And then it says in, alongside the S1 Hudatron. So in the video, like like I said, if you go back and watch it, there's a bunch of their other cars just sitting randomly. Yeah. And it's so there's cool to see There's a bunch of Easter eggs, too. There's a ton of Easter eggs. Like the little, do you see what he had on his dash? Like the little dancing, I think it was an Elvis. And then there was like an Elvis down on the uh, the old strip. Um, Can you imagine <laughs> that, that a car company go, here you go. It, it's it's Try ridiculous. this out. And they said it's a bi-motor, so... I don't know if that just means that there's dual motor or if do they have two distinct motors for forward and reverse. I don't know what they meant by that. Mm-hmm. And then in the video, you could see him. Was that the e-brake that he was hitting the big? Yeah. yeah. And because he like, and then like, was he electronically shifting from forward to reverse? Cause it didn't look like it had gears. I mean, most of these don't, they're usually single stage, but just hearing this thing, you got to watch the video. I'm yeah. not going to play it cause we don't want to get flagged from YouTube, but. It is crazy cool. This this thing sounds like like a Tasmanian <clears throat> devil, like just screeching down the strip. It's crazy. So th- there's stories that I've heard. I don't know the truth to them, but if like your car, if it wasn't governed 
the way Tesla has it governed, it would probably be insane like that. Oh, in the software, you mean? Yeah. Like, the, how much voltage goes to the drive units? Yeah. Like, this car, they're, like, dumping all the energy from the yeah. battery pack into those motors. Can you imagine, like, the, the battery management system? Because you could see, like, in parts of the video, all the gauges that he had on the screens, and they were all, like, most of them, I mean, they looked like they were all green most of the time. I'm sure they were monitoring, like, temperature and torque and how many sets of tires do you think they burned through oh, over the, the course of this because i think it, it was toyo right i think that's who they partnered with um like they like every every time he did this it was probably a new set of tires i'm sure oh, easily just if and not, then at the end when he smoked it and it was just uh, sitting under the las vegas sign you know that was probably another well, set just of tires when right he there. when he did the hoonicorn yeah and did the all-wheel drive burnout <laughs> that probably burnt all the tires off that first shot yeah and here's a couple of pictures from the video like please go watch it it's it's amazing the, the it car is, looks amazing. amazing it really the does video is just ridiculous they did a good job on that build my favorite part was like they went up the parking garage to the top floor and there's a boxing rink and there's boxers boxing in the boxing rink and there's like three or four heavy bags around the outside of it and he drifts and hits each one of them now, I wonder if he got them all on one try or if they edited together several attempts. It doesn't I, matter. It's still ridiculous. He, but He is actually, I mean, if you've ever watched anything of his, he is a remarkable it's, He's person. a different level. It's ridiculous, yeah, man. The way his brain works and all that is insane. And he's like our age, right? If not a little old. He's definitely he closer to your guys' age. What are you saying? Mm. These guys are old. Like you're that much younger than us, <laughs> sir. Man. I don't think we can be friends anymore. Man. I'm just going to take my ball and bat and go home. <laughs> yeah, go check out that video. It's it's amazing. It's uh, it's linked in the notes. Um, or if you just YouTube uh, Hoonatron or Ken Block, it's probably going to be the first thing because it just came out a few days ago. And th- today's uh, November 4th, uh, Friday, and I think it was the second when it came out. It's amazing. All right, that does it for episode 50, fellas. 5 0. We getting tattoos? No, let's We said 100. No, nah, man, I think 50 is good. We have to, she doesn't, she's not the boss of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, me and Matt get tattoos. All right, let's go. Um, <laughs> thank you for watching. If you joined live, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah. If thank you're you. listening to the audio version on your podcasting platform, we also greatly appreciate it. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Please hit that like and subscribe button. And we will hopefully see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Night.